Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. We are so happy to be here with a very special guest. Dr. Mahi Cheshire was born in Sri Lanka and grew up in London. She works as a GP, which is a family physician in the UK, and has a degree in psychology. She loves traveling, kundalini yoga, and boxing, all of which provide inspiration for her writing. She lives in London with her husband and baby daughter. Mahi, tell us about your book. Thank you so much for having me on. So Deadly Cure is my debut novel. It's a psychological thriller set in London, and it's about two best friends slash mortal enemies or frenemies. So it's set in a London hospital, and they're working on a cure basically for cancer, like a research project, and they both really want to get it. And then when one of them does, the other one can't get over it. And then the one who does get it, Julia, is murdered. And then the other character, Rhea, becomes a prime suspect in her murder. So if I remember correctly from an interview, it actually sounds like one of them stole the other's research to get the physician. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Julia stole Rhea's research in order to get the job. So that's a massive bone of contention. Understandably. Lots of things add up as you go through the book. But yeah, that's one of the things that would give her kind of a motive, I suppose. She has a big bone to pick with Julia. So you're a doctor writing a medical thriller. What's that like? So in some ways, it was helpful. So when I was a junior doctor, I was doing my training, like really long hours, and it was already quite stressful like it is for all of us. And that's when I started writing. So it was a bit of a creative outlet. The very first version of this book was more like a, a bit more of a cathartic. There was a lot of moaning about the stress that we were going through and just like the job and stuff like that. So that's how it started. But it's strange because when I was working in the hospital, I don't think I could have written this book as it is now. It was hard to write it while I was in my training. So it had to be a little bit later when I went into my GP trainings and family doctor training and you're not so much in the hospital. And it was actually after I had my little one and she was very small, I rewrote the book as it is now. So at that time I was on maternity leave, so I wasn't in the hospital. So it was easy, I suppose, to immerse yourself in that environment. It would be really hard to work in it all day and then go home and write about it as it is in the book. But there was lots of things and I would say that being a doctor made it a little bit more straightforward for me. So research-wise, I already knew the environment. Scene setting was very familiar for me. But I also do need to emphasize that the things that happen in the book are nothing like what I experienced at work. <laughs> nothing like the constant rivalry between the doctors in this book. I've never seen that <laughs> for real. And yeah, there's other plots which I won't give away. But there was lots of inspiration, I think, as a doctor. Like you can pick up a lot of different things. It's a very high-stakes environment. There's a lot of stress, a lot of tension. So there's a lot of potential for drama there. And then I thought it would be even more interesting to push it as a psychological thriller, not even just as a medical drama, but just to really run with the tension and the stakes and everything. I was going to ask, does it feel like living in a thriller to be in the medical field? Because every day you're trying to stop people from dying. You're trying to stop really bad things from happening. And you're trying to figure out what's happening before it's too late. Because in books, the tension has to go up and down, right? And is it just like really high tension all day, every day in your day-to-day job? 
not all the time, I would say. So it's a little bit different from what I do now as a GP, I would say long stretches of stress, but not attention in the same way that you would see like common medical dramas and things. When I was working in the hospital in A&E, like ER kind of situation, there was an attention, but it's not exactly as you see on TV because there'd be different sections. So you wouldn't always be in the one with the really sick patients, for example, or the crash calls and things like that. I think it'll be really difficult if it was. It does depend as well what specialty you do, but definitely not like deadly cure. It's interesting to he's describe it. Is it like living in the thriller? I would say no, but I have had people say being a doctor is a little bit like detective work, trying to find out what's wrong with people. So I suppose there is that parallel. So let's talk about the book. You're talking about the early versions and the later versions. How did you get from one to the other? And how did you know you were heading in the right direction? So the first version of it, yeah, it's more like a new adult type of a coming of age book. And I sent it out to a few places. I applied for a few things. I got long listed for a couple of things, the London Writers Award, a queer read a bit, but it never really got anything more than, I think a couple of full requests, but nothing more than that. So I kind of knew that it needs to change. But the beginning and end of the book were very similar. The first chapter was like almost word for word the same, apart from the, the ending of the first chapter. So there were certain elements in it that I really knew that I wanted to keep. I feel like it needed to be more dramatic. It would work better as a thriller. So what I did was emphasize the thriller aspects. So I started rewriting completely. I had my agent at the time that I started that. So we talked about it and she read an opening and then we decided the previous version, there was two points of view. There was one male character and then Rhea, the protagonist is still there, but we decided to bring in Julia's character more and make it more about the two women. And then that male character got completely changed. It was more like changing the focus of the story. And then once we did that, I think it started to come up much more naturally. The, the rivalry between the two women, those subplots kind of fed off each other and the more things came up that I didn't expect. Once we started doing that, it definitely felt like it was on the right track because it came out in a more straightforward way. So I have a question about how you found your agent, because it sounded like you wrote the first iteration of the story while you were still in the thick of things, trying to figure stuff out, but it was a little too complicated for you to try to do your day-to-day -day job and try to take that home with you and write that at the same time. So did you have your agent from a previous project or did you get your agent from querying this story and then you guys made the decisions to make the changes together? And so I got my agent from a different project, completely a YA project. I did the first version of Deadly and then I let that sit because not a lot was happening with it. And I had this other idea for a story about a 17 year old that discovers parkour. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's write this. And that was a project that I got my agent with. So while that was out on submission, but she went out to the with her, I did mention to her because she said what I was working on. And I mentioned I had this other psychological thriller idea. So while the YNA Touch the Sky was out on submission, I started rewriting and then we started reworking, brainstorming before that. So it was really helpful because sometimes, as you say, it is hard to have that distance from your story and kind of know when you're reworking something to know where to go with it. It was really helpful to be able to discuss it with my agent and kind of decide on directions. Because I think once you've got that, it becomes a lot more straightforward. Can you tell us your story from the beginning, I guess, when you started to write through writing different books, sending it out on submission, getting your agent to now, just so we have like a nice linear summary? Yeah, so I started writing when I first started working as a junior doctor. At that point, I wasn't really thinking oh, I'm going to be published or anything. I was just writing because a creative outlet. So then I started writing a romance set in Dubai completely like different. It wasn't really a full book. It was quite short and it was just more me trying stuff out. 
And then it was later on when I got this idea for Deadly Cure. So that was when I was a few years into my training and it was quite slow process. I trying to like balance out between work and things. So it took probably two, three years, maybe even more to get it to a point where I was querying and things. And then I'm trying to think, I think it was about 2000 and maybe 2018, something like that, when I was querying this project and decided at that time to start with my YA. And then I sent that out signed with my agent in early 2020 and then again like early 2020 I started writing the new version of Dead the Cure and then by September I was done and she submitted in October to editors and we were lucky I got an offer quite quickly and got a book deal in 2020 October. That's wonderful. You must have figured out some things about how to make that go quickly and go well. So what can you tell our writing audience who's listening to this going very well for you and wondering how you did it? I want to say it always went very well. There's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of stress about that that I suppose we all go through. Because at the beginning, you don't know that you shouldn't take it personally because it's such a subjective interest. I think when you don't know much about it, it doesn't feel that way. You really want this thing so badly and you're really trying to think of other ways to do it. And yeah, it can be hard at the beginning, but then eventually I think I realized what you can do is try and make it look as good as you can. So I tried to understand the market as well as I could. So once I knew that I was writing a psychological thriller, which even before we started reworking in 2020, I had it in mind and that's what I wanted it to be. So I would say to anyone listening who's in a similar position, read around the genre that you want to write in, read new stuff as well. Not that you can ever write for a trend, but it's just really good to be aware of what's there because if something's really similar you don't want to pitch something super similar to something else that you know age it has for example so yeah i'd say read around the mark that helps and i did used to listen to lots of podcasts like yours i used to into it a lot i learned so much from listening to other authors experiences when you start to get more of an understanding about the market like looking at say when you read a similar genre book, how's it pitched, what they've written on the back, blurb, that kind of thing. It really helps you for, say, when you're querying agents. You can find comp titles to compare in case people don't know that. So to compare similar books that you can say, my book is like this or it has the elements of this book. So I saw that you mentioned that it had initially started out as like a new adult story. What made you change your mind about that? So yeah, the new adult, it was more of a coming of age kind of story, but I think like, there was a problem with say pays, like not a lot was happening there, but there was a conspiracy subplot going on, but it was a very like, light conspiracy subplot. And then I think I was speaking to some writing friends, telling them about the book and things. And one of them was like, cool, but why didn't you just make it into a thriller? And at the same time, actually, there was an event in London for like writers. And there's agents there and they had different sessions and I spoke to her and I was telling her as well. She said something similar. She was like, why don't you just make this more into a thriller? So that was the impetus and the subplot was that it was just bringing it out more. And that was the main reason. And New Adult, I think it just didn't fit the story that it was. Once I got rid of those elements and up the thriller elements, it made a lot more sense in the story and it flowed a lot better. So I think you know you're on the right lines a bit more when that happens. Could you tell us about some of the things you learned about tension and stakes in writing thrillers? Because you didn't set out originally to be a thriller writer, but you made it work. So you must have had to learn on the job, as it were. In thrillers, I think you have a lot of license to try out different things, which maybe you can't in all genres. So you can experiment with timelines, points of view, structure. And there's like a lot of room for creativity with that kind of thing. So that's definitely something that I did to increase tension and stakes. So in Deadly Kill, there's two points of view. 
And one of them, so Julie lives in diary entries and text messages and things like that, rather than directly in her head. And then Ria's is in first person. Doing things like that, I think, really help because you can give away a bit of information on one side and then you can give conflicting points of view. So things like that, I think, help. I really like prologues. I know a lot of people don't. Maybe they're a bit marmite or a bit divisive, but I really like them. So things like that as well. So I found for mine, it starts, although I'm calling it a prologue, it's actually an event that happens later in the book. But I realized that was quite a pivotal moment. So to start with that and then go back to find out how we got there, that kind of increases the tension from the beginning. You know that something quite serious has happened already. So you've already got some high stakes there. Mostly things like that, playing around with different structures and different ways of presenting information. Thrillers are very much about keeping the audience guessing and trying to almost trick the audience. Can you tell us about the disorientation of night shifts and how that made it into your writing? Oh yeah, there was a lot of that lived experience, definitely. <laughs> a lot of night shifts. We used to do seven in a row, well, that was bad when we were doing that many. You get into this kind of state of mind where if you're not sleeping that much during the day, or even if you are, your body clock's completely turned upside down. And there's this kind of strange, groggy feeling that you get. So that definitely came into the book. As a junior doctor, we used to have something called ward cover where there weren't many doctors on at night, basically, compared to the day. And the ward cover doctor would just have this a pager and they would just get called to whichever ward in the hospital. So you'd run in between wards. And I used to find it quite a strange experience because normally the hospital's so busy and there's a people around, there's a lot happening and it's quite noisy. But in the night, it would just be you like running through these corridors. And it was quite a strange feeling and something that I thought, oh, this is something that would be good to put into a book, especially in thriller, where things are a bit on the edge and quite strained. I never felt like it was creepy myself because it was obviously a safe environment, but I could see why you could make it that way. You could make it seem that way. So I bought that out. So Rhea would often in the book be running between wards at night time and it was a lot of like creepy happenings anyway. So that plus the atmosphere went together quite well, I thought. So I think sometimes you get things which you keep thinking about it and you're not quite sure why. And then they're often quite good to explore in writing. So I used to find night shifts so unpleasant, but also weirdly interesting. So yeah, it definitely made its way into the book. I love the idea of thinking about what in your own life you can't stop thinking about and using that as what you decide to write about. I think that makes a lot of sense because you're going to have to focus on what you write for so long. And if you're not interested, the reader's not interested. So I think that's a really nice way to figure out what people should be writing. Yeah, absolutely. I think I heard, maybe it was on a podcast, I heard some writing advice from another author and they were basically saying, if you're reading something or you're writing something rather, or you're reading your own work and it's boring you, it's definitely boring the reader. So that probably needs to go. But passages are sometimes quite hard to write because you're not really invested in it. Yeah, no, just skip through those and get to the bits that really interest you. And also for your setting, it is technically a place where people are being healed. So in that way, you would think it would be probably the safest place on earth. If you hurt yourself, someone's right there to fix you. But my brain, the way I think of it, I'm thinking of all the tools that are sharp, that can cut people open. If they fell into the wrong hands, all kinds of awful things could go wrong. So I think that's really interesting, too, as a way of seeing a setting that could do both. Yeah, totally. I think that's what's so interesting. Environments like that are super interesting to explore in things like thrillers. Because when I was working there, it felt like absolutely the safest environment. Even if you know, the corridors were empty, there's so many people just down the corridor. 
but you can turn those things on their head completely when you look at what maybe could be quite right if somebody wanted to go that way. And that's definitely what's happening in the book. People are going the wrong way, for sure. Is writing a rivalry like writing a romance subplot in reverse? I never thought of it like that. That's so interesting. I suppose it is, in a way. With this rivalry, they were already friends. So one of the things that I did during edits was try to emphasize the friendship that came before. So I suppose, yeah, that would be right. Because it was sowing all those seeds to show why they were close friends before. And then it just kept exploding completely. So would you be willing to read your first page for us? Yeah, sure. Prologue. Rhea. Adult cardiac arrest. My pager usually emits a bleeping noise. When it talks, it only brings bad news. A staid female voice speaks amidst crackling static. Adult cardiac arrest. Medical team to emergency department recess. I start running out of the doctor's office and down the stairs. Matt, the on-call anaesthetist, follows me. His train is squeaking as he runs. In the foyer, we pass Khaled, the senior surgical doctor on-call. His pager bleeps. Trauma call, surgical team to emergency department recess. I wonder if it's the same thing, I say, as he starts running alongside us. Maybe. Either way, looks like all the doctors in the hospital are going to be in the emergency department. Our soul skid as we sprint through a dark corridor. We're on autopilot after a busy night shift, too tired to talk. It's 6.30am and the hospital is just waking up. Staff arriving for day shifts walk past us in the opposite direction. Thick winter coats buttoned over their uniforms. Through the glass doors of the main entrance, first light shows in a murky grey sky. There's an off-kilter vibe of darkness lifting over a day that's not quite ready to start. That was so awesome. I could see that. I was totally there. Like, it was giving me Grey's Anatomy vibes with the running down the corridors and the shoes skidding. And, oh, I love it. That was a really good first page. Thank you so much. The Grey's Anatomy, I think that's how my agent pitched it to editors. I think that's probably how they've been pitching it initially with marketing and stuff as well. Like a Grey's Anatomy meets psychological thriller. So yeah, definitely some of those vibes. And like what I was talking about before, about the weird feeling of nights and grogginess. Yeah, definitely there from page one. I think it's so interesting how it's so clear. The sentences are medium length and they're not saying this thing's happening over here, this thing's happening over here. It's very straightforward the way that it is, but the layering of all of these straightforward details gives us this nuanced impression, which I think is really cool. Oh, thank you. I definitely just try to describe it, at least that first page or the opening, just as I saw it or as it would be if you were there. So just try to focus on those details. So not loads of backstory or anything yet that comes later. So you set out and you're like, I'm just going to give exactly the straightforward facts, but I'm going to combine the straightforward facts in a way that shows you where we're going and fast. Is that what you were thinking going in? Yeah, I think so. I had an idea that this dramatic happening was going to take place at the end of that chapter. So it was about seeding that information in rather than giving it all at the beginning. So first, I wanted to give that feeling where you're like, okay, this seems like one thing, but something else is going on here. So I think it's the second page or the third page, she starts to drop in about how she's had this weird voicemail from her friend and she starts thinking about Julia and there's just little details that come in through it. But on the surface, it looks like it's a cardiac or a scene and it's something that we would have done a lot of in like doctors in the hospital. But by the end of the chapter, it turns into something quite different. 
I know we can't ask you, but that's something quite different. <laughs> but I want to. No spoilers, but just a few pages later. It's very dramatic for the character. Yeah, definitely informs the rest of the book. Can you talk a little bit about your choice to make the beginning a prologue instead of just going directly into chapter one? Yeah, so I like the idea of jumping forward and back in time because that for a prologue is quite a few months into the action of the book and then we jump right back. So I wanted to keep it distinct rather than be like chapter one. Maybe it's a stylistic choice in some ways because I guess you could call it chapter one six months later and then jump back and put six months earlier. But yeah, I do like the concept of a prologue. It must have been like from growing up reading, say like fantasy with prologues and stuff like that. I wanted that feeling of a split between the different events that are happening. I guess it could have worked as a chapter one as well, but I like the concept of having a prologue and an epilogue as well. I'm afraid you're making all of this sound easy when we of course know that this is not. Do you have any tips for the writers out there who are struggling? The writers who are thinking, oh my gosh, I have to make a big change from new adult to another genre. Oh my gosh, I have to make all these big changes. Or maybe just they're sending it out and it's not working. What are some things you learned along the way that could be helpful to them? I would say if it's not working, get other people to look at your work, get new, fresh eyes on. Because as writers, we're so close to the story, we sometimes don't know what works, what doesn't. So either in the form of beta readers and or getting like a professional service like Manuscript Academy. So I did use that at one point for my YA. And it was really useful because the YA initially, what was going on was there was a first chapter which was a dream and you're all going to be like, that's such a no-no. And yeah, it is. That's what the Asian said. She was absolutely right. But the thing is when I had beta readers for that and they said, yeah, it works as a chapter one. At this consultation with her, she was so helpful because she just told me what worked, but also we want to know what doesn't, if we can change it. So I did. I was really happy to do that because that worked. Because once I did that and started from the next chapter, I got full requests. I got agent offers and things. So she was spot on. So I think I would advise other authors when it's not working to do something like that. Maybe it opening chapters maybe it's the query and you can sometimes get just a query check i think as well if you're persevering with something and you've done all that and it's still not quite landing then i would say maybe look at writing something else as well alongside because often like they say that's the best cure for submission stress anyway is to write something new so do but if you have a really strong feeling that you want to tell the story then don't give up on it but just maybe change the way you're doing it and i know we were talking about how writers have in their heads things that they can't stop thinking about. Is there anything in your head now that you can't stop thinking about or a fun maybe book or writing related story you'd like to tell us? I'm working on two things at the moment, but one of them I don't think I'm allowed to talk about yet, so maybe not that one, but the other one, another psychological thriller that I'm working on, started with this weird dream that I had and just a fragment, I don't even remember the whole dream, but I just had an image of a bank in Sri Lanka like a creepy old bank building. It was very dusty and there was a woman opening up this bank. She was unlocking it, opening this big heavy door and there was of dust in the entryway and things like that. That was the start and I couldn't stop thinking about this dream and it felt like a story when I woke up and I was really trying to remember the rest because it really felt like the start of the story. So that then became this book that I'm working on now, which is another psychological thriller. And I obviously had to make up the rest, but now it's about a woman caretaking an old bank building in Colombo. And then she becomes drawn into a mystery there with the family that own the house. So this woman that went missing a year before, and she finds like pictures of this woman and she's really intrigued by who is she and what's her story. And it's all related to the bank basically. So 
that was one of those things that I couldn't stop thinking about when it made its way into my writing. So definitely one of those things that you keep wanting to explore more. Keep us updated when that one sells so that we can read it as well. That sounds super interesting. You had me when you said Old Bank. I didn't even hear anything else after that. I was there for Old Banks. Like, I love the idea of the Old Banks back in the day that had the vaults. Oh my God, I love that. So any story that the Old Banks are like a weird mystery, I'm there. I'm totally. This one has a lot of that type. It's an old style and it's been damaged in a fire. So like half of it has been this mysterious fire. I don't know really talks about what happened there. So yeah, a lot of mystery, a lot of hopefully quite atmospheric. It's a bit more gothic type of a feel to the book compared to Deadly Cure. But yeah, lots of creepy bank action. Yes, I am here for it. Yes. Yeah. Gothic. See, she just keeps layering on things that I want to read. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> Thank you. So why don't you tell us any advice you might have for writers looking for agents? Yeah, so I would say look at books similar genre to yours, books that you admire in that genre that I knew, look at which agents are representing and uh, have a look at those. So I could tell you a little bit about what I did, if that's helpful. There's a writers and artists yearbook, and I think maybe it's one option. That's not what I went for. That's one thing. But I think in America, you've got something different, haven't you? But in England, there's that and the Association of Authors Agents websites. I thought I went on. So I went on that and I looked up some of the agents on there and I looked at the ones representing similar genres and things like that. I think when you're looking for an agent, it's important to bear in mind how you work together. I think that's a really important point. I was in a lucky position because I had three people offer, so I was able to go and speak to them and find out a little bit more about how they work and for them to also find out about me and things and see if it would be a good fit. I remember like researching before that, what are you supposed to ask, like what's important to ask? And I did find one really helpful article, but there wasn't other than that, that many people talking about it. I think definitely have a good list of questions and think about how you want to work with them. So some agents are more editorial than others. And it depends on whether you like that or not. So like for me personally, in my agency is very original and I really like that. It's really helpful to be able to brainstorm and bounce ideas of how agents may not work like that. And if that's what you want, like on their bio, they'll often mention that kind of thing. And then when you look at agents' bios on their agency websites, they'll often mention other books that they've enjoyed. So I think if they've liked similar books to you, that could be a good sign that you might be a good fit as well. And then with the query letter, I used to think, oh, like how much information you're supposed to put in, like you get both stressed about how personalized you make it, all that kind of thing. And it is really good to try where you can to personalize it to the agent and everything. But say you really want to send to this agent, but there isn't necessarily a straightforward book that they represent that you can compare yours to. I would say just keep it simple. And I got some really good advice that you could just start with the one-line pitch for your book in your query letter and then go on to give a little bit more of a blurb in your query letter and then your bio. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like this really long thing. You could just start with the story. And I think that often it's a good way to go because if they like that one line, if they like the blurb and story, they'll keep reading. So this just occurred to me because you are a doctor and you wrote a medical thriller do you have any advice for writers who are either writing horror or other medical thrillers anything that has to do with bodies in general when it comes to getting it right potentially finding good sources for research or anything like that yeah i would say be sensitive when talking about medical conditions or just about the body in general, be respectful, be sensitive. I think maybe sensitivity to read could be helpful depending on what the condition is. I didn't get sensitive to read because I suppose I already knew about the 
hospital, but I did consult other medic friends who worked in certain specialties that I may not have worked in, which was relevant to the book. So in a way it wasn't something to read per se, but I definitely wanted to make sure that all of that was right. So I think it is important to do that. It can be of putting if someone was writing about say, in like a medical condition, for example, and they haven't researched it well, so please do research it. So in Deadly Cure, there's a character with a brain injury, and I did actually for that get a writer friend who has suffered with a brain injury, not the same as my characters, but he had experience of that, and he was really kindly read certain sections and told me that this and this, and maybe small changes here. Like even the words, little changes, because it comes to people when they have lived experience, or maybe if we haven't, it's important to bear in mind. So yeah, I think be sensitive, get other people to help you if it's not more area of expertise, if you can. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can everyone find you and your work? Thank you so much for inviting me. So I'm on Twitter sometimes, I'm a bit more on Instagram, and they're both at Mahi Cheshire. And is your book available? Can someone in the United States download the e-version if it's in the UK, or will it be coming out as a US version? We haven't got a US version yet, but you can find it on Book Depository. You can order it on there. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. And we can't wait to see what your next thriller is when it comes out. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks so much. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just like to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.